going on, everyone? Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. You can visit the website, abotanicalcompany.com, or give them a call, 405-458-9699. Educate yourself on their line of natural medicine products and how they can benefit your daily life. That's what they're all about, helping people live a better life. I also want to tell you about the new promo code from the Colby Daniels Podcast. When you order online at abotanicalcompany.com, use... The promo code Colby Show, that's C O L B Y S H O W, Colby Show, for 15% off your order. Uh, it's easy to order online, easy and safe pickup. Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. All right, big show today as uh, we have a crazy week ahead of us. Obviously, National Signing Day is tomorrow. Uh, so we're going to talk to Robert Allen today about the Oklahoma State class, as well as the Big 12 Championship on Saturday. Jared Stansberry from CycloneFanatic.com is going to join me and, and talk about the Iowa State side of this matchup. Obviously, Iowa State winning the first round early in the season. Oklahoma clearly a different team late in the year on a win streak. Obviously, Ramondre Stevenson, Ronnie Perkins have made all the difference in the world. Spencer Rattler is an experienced quarterback versus what he was in, in week number three of the season as well. So I think this is going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun on Saturday. And Mike Steely and I will have pregame coverage beginning at 9 o'clock Saturday morning. So look for my tweet at 9 o'clock Saturday morning at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter. I will tweet that link and we will have pregame coverage for an hour, two hours before kick. 9 a.m. on Saturday morning, and that's an 11 o'clock start. So excited about Oklahoma-Iowa State for the Big 12 title on Saturday. Should be a great game. The first one was a great game. Uh, Oklahoma obviously coming up on the short end, but I expect this one's going to be a terrific football game as well, and I'm just excited uh, that we're going to have Big 12 championship football being played on Saturday. So here we go. Here is today's episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast. My guest covering the Iowa State Cyclones is Jared Stansberry, the managing editor for CycloneFanatic.com. Uh, Jared, thanks for joining me again. We last talked before the first Oklahoma-Iowa State game. Uh, this was an Iowa State team that I told you at that point I really liked coming into the season. I thought that they were you know, maybe in the top three of this league and, and we're going to have a chance to be contending for a Big 12 title, but I was super disappointed in that season opener. What did they do? I mean, they, they, they beat Oklahoma, and they've got on this this pretty incredible run throughout this regular season after that disappointing season opener. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is you've just seen guys that have really grown into their roles, you know, and, and obviously at that time, uh, you know, I think that everybody kind of knew what we what you had in Brock Purdy, um, but the guys that were around him, not uh, Brees Hall notwithstanding, obviously Brees has been awesome from, from game one all the way through, but you know, you look at whether it's Xavier Hutchinson uh, and then the group of tight ends that Iowa State had, has, you know, you didn't have Charlie Fuller in that, in that season opener, but, uh, you know, you've seen all of those tight ends really blossom into being not only really good blockers, but making huge impacts in the, in the receiving game as well. Um, and then in the receiving core, you've just seen the continued growth of Sean Shaw. Uh, you know, you've seen Landon Akers step up and fill a bigger position. Tariq Milton is finally back healthy, and that has really helped you over the last couple weeks. And, and then the offensive line in front of them made a, made a lot of strides, you know. So I think that that's probably the big thing, really, is just where, you know, the offense has kind of come along to uh, – you've seen where everybody has grown into being what everybody thought that they could be. And then, you know, the defense, I think, has basically been the same – uh, much like Brees Hall, it's been the same game one all the way on. Obviously, in that Louisiana game, you know, you give up the two special teams touchdowns that really killed you uh, and changed the game. And 
Um, you know, that's the thing that I think a lot of people forget to mention too with that game is, is those two special teams touchdowns that, uh, that changed everything in that. And so when you look at what this Iowa State defense has done from, from the beginning of the season all the way through, through now, you know, I think that that unit has been, been stellar for the most part. So I think it's just growth and, uh, you know, figuring out what this team could do really well throughout the season. And, uh, and the team has kind of developed its identity and, um, you know, and they've obviously thrived in it since they've been able to do that. You know, the first matchup was really interesting, and obviously both teams, you know, that was way early in the season, and, and both teams certainly have grown in certain areas from that point to this point. Um, I, I would argue two of Oklahoma's best players weren't available in that game. Their best player offensively, Ramondre Stevenson, best player defensively, Ronnie Perkins. As far as this matchup this time around, where do you think Iowa State can kind of transfer the success that they had in that first matchup, and, and what do you think is going to be significantly different this time around, I guess? Um, well, I mean, I think that when you look at what Iowa State was able to do defensively, you haven't seen a ton of teams uh, play, you know, that way against Oklahoma throughout the rest of the year. I think Baylor maybe tried a little bit, but, uh, you know, I, I just don't know that the Bears had the personnel that was maybe needed to, to do that. But, you know, Iowa State was able to do some things, to, especially in the second half. You know, obviously Oklahoma scored, I think they scored 17 points in the first quarter or something like that. and. I'd have to go back and look at what it was exactly. But what Iowa State was able to do kind of later in the game after they had adjusted, you know, change up some of the looks. They were really able to, you know, kind of confuse Spencer Rattler with his pre- and post-snap uh, post reads. So I think that that'll be interesting to see just how much better prepared, you know, he is for, you know, playing that. And like I said, I, I just really don't think that anybody has, has tried that too much against this Oklahoma team this entire season. You know, where I think the biggest difference is along you know, that defensive front for Oklahoma, obviously that front seven for the Sooners is playing at a really high level right now. Ronnie Perkins, and the, Ronnie Perkins is a huge part of that. Uh, so I, I'm intrigued to see how much of a difference maybe that makes for Iowa State in trying to run the football. Brees was, you know, huge for the Cyclones in that, in that first game. Um, you know, how, you know, maybe the, there's fewer running lanes than what there was that first time around. So I think that those are probably the two things that I'm most interested to see is just, you know, how much better prepared you know Spencer, Spencer Rattler is to, to face an Iowa State defense that's obviously still veteran laden. They're able to do so many different things just because of the the sheer number of guys that they have that are so experienced and and really understand um, what they can and can't do within the defensive scheme. And then for Iowa State, you know how well can you handle that that Oklahoma defensive front and uh, and be able to throw those guys out in order to give Brees some some room to run. Brees Hall was was terrific in that first matchup, and and I think the the defensive front, as you mentioned, from Oklahoma is considerably better at this point than they were at that point. But I also, having watched Iowa State all year, kind of feel like the offensive line for the Cyclones has gotten much better as the season got, has gone on than they were at that point. So I, I think it's kind of a, a situation where it's good on good, and both teams have kind of elevated as far as the line of scrimmage in that specific matchup as the year has gone on. And obviously, Iowa State is a, a team that is up for the Joe Moore Award. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would definitely agree with that. I, I mean, this is the best offensive line that Iowa State has had in, in quite some time. Uh, it, I mean, not even just during the time that Matt Campbell has been here. I, I mean, I think you can go several years, even, you know, into when Paul Rhodes was here, and, and maybe even into the really early years of the Paul Rhodes, like 2011 when they had Fletchie Assembly and some of those guys. Obviously, Fletchie you know, uh, was an all-pro at one time and is a guy who's been to multiple Pro Bowls in the NFL, but uh, you know, and the crazy thing about this offensive line is it's, it's, I think it's the third different iteration that they've had to use of that group just because of injuries and things like that. So they did a lot of shuffling. 
uh, early in the season, but now you're in a position where, you know, you've got two true freshmen, that, or not two true freshmen, two redshirt freshmen that start on the right side, Jake Remsburg and Daryl Simmons, who uh, I don't think that Remsburg was playing yet at the time when, uh, when Iowa State and Oklahoma played the, that first game, but, uh, but Daryl Simmons was, you've really seen him grow a lot. Uh, you've seen Jake Remsburg become a really solid tackle uh, for, for Iowa State. And then obviously you have a guy in Colin Newell who missed last season who's, who's been a rock-solid uh, player for you at the center spot. And then Jared, Derek Schweiger, who was a candidate for the Bullsworth Trophy, you know, given to the, uh, the nation's best walk-on. He was someone who uh, has really grown throughout the season. And then Sean Foster, I think, has improved as well at that left tackle spot. So I think it's a, a group that early in the season, they were really inexperienced. You didn't have a ton of guys who had made a whole bunch of starts or anything like that. Um, but now when you look at them, They've been they've been really really solid here for probably the last six weeks of this season. I, I think probably since that Oklahoma State game, uh, you know that obviously Iowa State's uh, last loss at this point. So uh, it's hard to. I agree with you definitely that you know this is going to be good on good up there. Uh, you know with the, the front guys on on both sides of the football, and um, I think it should be a fun matchup to watch. I, I think that if there's any matchup that you know is, is worth highlighting, uh, it's those two groups, and then obviously what Brees Hall is going to be able to do um, against you know, Oklahoma's linebackers once you get past them. I saw a stat this morning that said in the last 14 quarters, Iowa State has outscored their opponents by over 100 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, I think it's 138 to 36 or something like that in the last 14 quarters, uh, which would date back to the uh, the Baylor game, the second half of the Baylor game. So Iowa State's been clicking, man. I mean, it's been they've been playing at a really high level. I think on both sides of the football, and you're seeing where uh, you know they've just they've hit their stride right at the perfect time in the season. And uh, you know, and, and obviously those numbers are helped by the fact that you won 42 to six against West Virginia and 45 to zero against Kansas State. Uh, but even then, I mean, they were able to kind of kick Baylor's butt in the second half of that game. Uh, and, then, and then the Texas game, you know, was a, a phenomenal football game that the Cyclones were able to come out on top of. This is the winningest senior class in, in Iowa State history, correct? And, and I think they're 2-2 two and two against Oklahoma. And obviously, you know, I, I just kind of feel like Matt Campbell has this, like, we fear nobody type of mentality, and that kind of rubs off on his team. And I, I just get the impression that this is a veteran group that's certainly not afraid of the logo on the helmet as far as going into this matchup against Oklahoma. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um, I mean, I, I, I would have to double-check the number, but I think that this class of seniors has won 31 games at Iowa State, uh, which, you know, that you know, getting into a number like that, it, you know, it might not sound too crazy to, to people that are, you know, Oklahoma people, but I can tell you for <laughs> uh, the last few classes that I or senior classes at Iowa State, and, you know, they, they'd obviously been a little bit better, but had nowhere been anywhere near um, that kind of production in the in the wins column, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a group that you know they're the guys that that bought into what Matt Campbell was selling at a time when there really wasn't a whole lot to sell at Iowa State in a in a vision of what Matt Campbell thought that this thing could become. Uh, it's a bunch of kids that you know some of them. Yeah, obviously, there's a few guys in there that you can consider to be quote unquote stars, uh, but most of them are guys that they play a role. Uh, they're, they're, some of them are very, very good at playing their role, whether it's a Chase Allen, who's a multiple-time all-conference guy, or a Dylan Sainer, who I think can be an all-conference guy this season uh, at those tight end positions. Uh, you know, Juan Bailey, obviously, is the all-time leader in sacks at Iowa State and uh, eighth all-time in the Big 12 in sacks. Uh, you know, Josh Bailey, his, his twin brother, 
didn't really get to play a whole lot until this this year, his senior season, and has been, I think, fantastic for the fact that you know, you know, he never played really before. Uh, so it's it's been a fun group to to watch. It's been a fun one to to watch them grow up, and um, you know, the the way that they have progressed has really kind of been linear with the way that uh, that the program has progressed. And um, you know, I think Matt Campbell said it a lot of times that Iowa State football would not be where they are right now if it wasn't for that group of seniors and and the contributions that they've made to Iowa State football. Well, you mentioned that win total, and just to put it into perspective, I mean, for, for Oklahoma fans that may not think that's that's great because they they kind of do that with every class almost. I mean, we're talking about a, a conference winless streak of, of like a, over 100 years, right, since they've won a conference title? Yeah, 108 years since the last conference title. And I, let me tell you, nobody will ever let us forget it. That it's <laughs> I mean, it's the Chicago uh, Cubs of, but- of the Big 12, right? Yeah, exactly, man. Uh, and uh, and I think even when they did win the last one, they played like four games. So even that it's to uh, you know to say that they won a conference championship, it's by no means anything near what it is now. So uh, it's been a long time, man. It's been a you know it's it's been there's been some dark days for Iowa State football. Those dark days are uh, were not that long ago. I can tell you, I mean, when I first started covering the team, they won eight games in three seasons. So. Uh, to be where they're at right now is uh, it's pretty crazy, and uh, it's been a it's been really fun to, to just watch the program uh, progress. And you know, obviously, this would be a, a huge next step for uh, for what the program can become now down the road. Matt Campbell had his media availability this afternoon. Uh, what did you did you have any any big takeaways from anything he said or his overall demeanor or anything like that? Um, the, the one takeaway that I can tell you, man, and it can be the same thing every week, Matt Campbell doesn't change. Uh, <laughs> they could have just, they could have lost, well, okay, I don't know. They don't lose 55 to six or 56 to nothing very much anymore, but I mean, they, they could lose a game, uh, and he'll come in and he'll be the exact same that he would be if they had just beat the number one team in the country. And, uh, I think that that's what makes, what kind of makes him, you know, as, as good as what he's been. Uh, you know, he's a he's a different breed of college football head coach. He's different than anybody that I've ever been around. And uh, I, I I don't think you could tell the difference if Matt Campbell's team was playing for the Big 12 title this weekend or if they were playing against Northern Iowa in the first week of the season. Uh, it's just that's how he is. And um, it doesn't it doesn't waver too uh, too much. Don't let him get out of Ames, Iowa, man. I, I think the secret's out. Yeah, yeah well, I. I'm not too concerned. I don't think that he'll be uh, he'll be going anywhere anytime soon. But uh, you know, I, I know that that might be bad news to some people, but I think that's pretty good news for us. No doubt, Jared. Always appreciate it, man. I'm I'm really looking forward to this game on Saturday. I think it's going to be a hell of a Big Twelve championship, and I certainly appreciate you joining me again. Absolutely, man. Uh, anytime, dude. I, I think it'll be a great game as well. Jared Stansberry, managing editor for CycloneFanatic.com, joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast. My guest is a friend. He is the sideline reporter for Oklahoma State. He is the voice, I think, of Triple Play Sports Radio, and you can find him on pokesreport.com. Robert, you have quite the resume. Robert Allen joining me. What's going on, man? Uh, Just uh, maybe the weirdest signing day in the history of my life (laughs) uh, coming up. So, yeah, it's uh, the bizarro of 2020 continues, and Signing day, there. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm kind of surprised. I thought at one point the NCAA might back up, you know, signing day and, and maybe just go with the regular February signing period. But I'm not sure things were going to change between now and the 
first Wednesday in February. So we've got our signing day. There are still going to be some state championships held in Oklahoma uh, after the signing day this coming Saturday. In fact, one of Oklahoma State's signees will be playing for a state championship. And down in Texas, Class 6A in Texas isn't even going to play their state championship games until the middle of January. So it's just, you know, the bizarre of 2020 continues. You know, in terms of just the the normal recruiting season, you know, until signing day, how how what's the biggest change that you've noticed as far as talking to these guys and, and just how different the process has been? The fact that, that there was no in-person recruiting. If you remember, official visits for this group, the 2021 cycle, would have started in April. They could have started taking official visits because, you know, you could do them in the spring, but the pandemic had hit. The NCAA had already, you know, closed in-person recruiting down. They kept extending it. Now it's been extended all the way through the spring semester for the most part. Um, And it's not just football. It's all the sports. It's been basketball can't have official visitors and they can't go out and evaluate uh, recruits. So the kids that are signing on signing day in football will have never officially visited the campus they're going to or any other. And the coaches may have seen them as juniors, but never got to see them in person on their campus or play a game in their senior season. So I don't know that that's going to make anything more inaccurate. Everybody depends more on video. And a lot of schools can't do all their, most of their evaluation on video anyway. But, um, you know, I'll give you a, for instance, John Paul Richardson, a receiver from um, uh, down in Texas, in the Houston area. Um, his dad, Bucky Richardson, was a Texas A&M and Houston Oilers quarterback. He and his family went up to Stillwater, Arkansas, and TCU back in July. Never talked to a coach because they couldn't, but just kind of drove around the campuses. And that was their visit. And they came away thinking Oklahoma State was the best one. Mike Gundy had been the first coach to to offer John Paul. So he ends up going to be a cowboy, but uh, he's never been in Gundy's office because he couldn't. That's mind blowing. It's this is it's so crazy, and it, it almost just makes you wonder if this class, you know, over the course of the next four years, we see. I mean, the transfer portal is already, you know, a pretty big deal, but it, it just kind of makes you wonder if over the next four years, this class particularly, we see more movement than maybe ever, simply because of of maybe this unknown factor in in so many levels of of the whole thing. And it could cut both ways because, uh, you know, sometimes it's it's because a kid ends up not being happy where he's at. There's going to be some schools that may not be happy with the kids they got because everybody has, you know, been shorted the opportunity to thoroughly evaluate in the case of a recruit, the school and will he be happy there? And in the case of the school, the player, and will he fit into their system both as an athlete and from a personality standpoint, because, how many times do you hear that from a coach? You know, we recruited him. Not only is he a good athlete, but he fits us, you know, from yeah. a personality standpoint. Great fact, kids that fit Oklahoma, our program. That, yeah. yeah. Sure, sure. 
Yeah, all the all the buzzwords that we get on that signing day press conference, no doubt. Uh, well, tell me about this class for Oklahoma State. What do you think of it? Um, just kind of as 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 you throw a blanket over it, what's the overall thought on what this group is going to be? Well, here's an amazing thing. Uh, they're not this class isn't rated very high by two four sevens composite or rivals. Uh, they're in the forties with both those. ESPN, who typically in past has had OSU ranked further back than either of the others. They have this class ranked 36, and I had a chance to talk to Tom Luganville from ESPN the other day, and he said, hey, they recruited a lot of defensive players, which we like because we think defense is going to be the key to having success in the Big 12 in the future. And they got a lot of kids we like. The, the twin receivers from Allen, Texas, which will be reminiscent of, of the Wallace twins. Uh, but, you know, Bryson and Blaine Green, um, Nick Martin from the Texarkana area that's a linebacker. Colin Oliver they really like out of Edmond Santa Fe. He's an edge rusher that kind of fits in the, the, the line of, of Edmond Santa Fe guys, Calvin Bundage, Trace Ford, now Colin Oliver. So uh, ESPN has them ranked actually a little higher. I, I like this class because they're very athletic. They're probably not as many offensive linemen. I'd like to see a few more, and they may add some offensive linemen just simply because they need to after the attrition they had in the offensive line this past year, and that's been documented with the current team. But I, I like the athleticism. And I'm in love with a, a defensive tackle from Thomas, Oklahoma, that will play for a state championship this Saturday at, at Wantland against uh, Cashin, uh, Aiden Kelly. He's 6'3", 290 pounds. And, and if he were at Jinx, he'd have had five stars. As it is, he's a Class A Oklahoma player that has four stars and was invited to the uh, what used to be the U.S. Army All-American game in San Antonio. Unfortunately, that game's not going to be played. So he was selected. He got his jersey, and he'll get some swag out of it, but won't get to play on NBC TV on the first Saturday in January which when that's normally held. But Aiden Kelly is a guy that I, I really like. I'm not saying he's going to play immediately. Sometimes defensive tackles need a little uh, seasoning. You know, that's a very physical position. You know, you got to be a mature, grown man to play defensive tackle in the Big 12. But when it is time for him to play, I think he's going to be a really, really good football player. You mentioned the offensive line. I, I mean, I think that's the that goes without saying that it's a, a need for Oklahoma State. What were the other position needs going into this class, and, and were they able to accomplish filling those needs? You know, linebacker, depending on, you know, I think Eamon Agbonvamiga is gone. Malcolm Rodriguez may come back for another year. All those guys have the option because the eligibility clock was stopped this year. But, uh, you know, you were, you were long in the tooth at, at linebacker, so you needed some of those guys. And that's where the Nick Martin, Donovan Stevens, an in-state guy from Dell City that's really athletic at linebacker. Colin Oliver's a linebacker that can move up and rush from the edge. Uh, so they did really good there. They did really good in the secondary where – They've still got a year with most of those guys that are on that team right now, the Colby Harvell Peels, the Trey Sterling. But in a year from now, you're going to need to have guys. And they've got another wave behind them, but it was time to get the next wave of DBs. And that includes Mikhail Smith, 
from Midwest City, Cam Smith from uh, uh, Braswell High School in Benton. Uh, you got Larrick, um, uh, uh, the Marshall kid, Larrick Rawls, big safety, a uh, couple of other corners that, that they, they recruited. So they did good in that area too. So like, it's kind of like Tom Luganville said. I mean, lots of linebackers, lots of guys in the secondary, uh, defensive tackle that gets your attention, a couple of defensive ends. And uh, defense was really a focus of, of Mike Gundy and, and his staff on this class. I know you mentioned Aiden Kelly and, and maybe some seasoning that, that needs to take place there, but on either side of the football, are there any players that you anticipate may have a better opportunity than others to play immediately? You know, the way I look at it, Colby, is when you come from a big-time high school in Oklahoma, that's your jinx, your broken arrows, your big feet. Those are schools that have big weight rooms and usually have strength coaches, kids that may be going to a personal trainer. Those are the kids I look for because they're going to be more physically mature, more developed coming in. That's why I look at, um, you know, uh, now, uh, again, uh, talking about Aiden Kelly, he has on he has gone to a personal trainer. But my example here would be the two green twins, the wide receivers from Allen. They're very, you know, they're 6'1", 200-plus pounds. They're, they're, from a physical standpoint, as soon as they can learn what they're doing and prove they're good enough, physically they should be able to play. Some of those guys in the secondary would be would be like that as well. The uh, Probably Lyric Rawls from Marshall because that's a big-time school. Um, and then, um, you know, Logan Nobles is an offensive lineman in this class from Jinx. Okay, typically offensive linemen, unless there's a lot of injuries, i.e. this year for Oklahoma State, you're not looking at a lot of young guys. But Logan Nobles does come to you as a pretty developed physically kid. He's probably going to be 300 pounds when he walks in the door at, at Oklahoma State. So those are the guys I always look at that might have the chance to play early simply because they don't need Rob Glass in the weight room to develop quite as much as some of the kids from smaller schools and maybe from areas that don't have as much of the personal trainers and, and, the, and all of that kind of, you know, uh, stuff on the side that can get a kid you know, more physically prepared than he normally would be coming out of high school. I kind of feel like now, maybe more than ever, there are less signing day surprises than, than maybe, you know, back in the day. But uh, is this is this thing all sealed and delivered for Oklahoma State? Are they waiting on anybody? Or is there maybe somebody out there that you anticipate could potentially be a signing day surprise? Yeah, I, you know, surprises can cut both ways. <laughs> you don't want, yeah, and, and schools are always, you know, people don't realize that a lot of these kids are going to have letters of intent from four or five different schools. They'll, they'll go ahead. OSU will send letters to kids they recruited, even though they may be committed somewhere else, thinking, you know, maybe they'll have a change of heart. Alton McCaskill is an uncommitted running back out of Conroe Oak Ridge High School in Texas. Six, six one, 200-pound running back. Um, Oklahoma State, Houston, USC, yeah, there's one other school that's in on him too, but but he hasn't made his decision. He can wait till February, or he'll have those letters in front of him, so he could sign and and uh, and and make the decision now. So there's one that could be a surprise for Oklahoma State. 
Um, oh, there's a couple of JUCO kids. There's an offensive lineman in Mississippi that they're, they, they've been in on, but he recently committed to Mississippi State, but kind of did that. Well, I'm still looking at Oklahoma State. So, again, that could be where your surprise is. What you don't want is the negative surprises. And they did have right. a late commitment last Friday. Um, this is an interesting kid. Uh, Nathan Latu is from Snow Community College. He uh, signed with BYU out of uh, Olympus High School in Salt Lake City, but he had something happen his last semester and he ended up having to get his GED and didn't enroll at BYU. He went to Snow. His twin brother is a backup tight end at University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. So, you know, that's his twin brother. So this, He's 6'5", 255 pounds, and was at Snow Community College. Of course, they didn't play this fall with COVID, but I did see some of their scrimmages from their practices, and this guy, he's the real <laughs> deal. And he committed, and he'll sign with Oklahoma State tomorrow. The Benny Tonga special. Benny's the, the Polynesian uh, recruiting chief for Oklahoma State. OSU's had success with a lot of those kids, and so uh, Latu, Nathan Latu, is a late commitment from us. Just found out about it when we landed in Waco, Texas, before the Baylor game. So that, that's kind of a late surprise, albeit not a signing day surprise, and anxious to see what he looks like when he gets to Stillwater. You mentioned that running back. I think the last time Oklahoma State and USC were after the same running back, the guy turned out to be pretty good, right? Uh, Would that be Rojo? Yeah. That would be Rojo that ended up, uh, Ronald Jones ended up out at USC. So, um, you know, kind of like the last time TCU signed a running back that ended up at Oklahoma State. Uh, <laughs> that guy ran for 100 and, what was it, 169 the other day against Baylor. That would be Dominic Richardson out of uh, Bishop McGinnis. So, yeah, uh, there's, a, how about that? Pretty crowded backfield there right now, huh? <laughs> Well, but, you know, Dominic Richardson signed with TCU signing day last year. And then in May of this year, TCU gets Zach Evans, the number one recruit, uh, running back recruit in last year's class, who had signed several places and been, I don't know, I mean, just a lot of things happened for Zach Evans. And TCU gets him, and then they tell Dominic, yeah, we probably don't need you now, which, you know, and, and Oklahoma State says, hey, we'll take you. And, you know, shoot, he uh, he sure looked good on, on in Waco <laughs> last Saturday. So, uh, recruiting, there's still going to be crazy stories come out of it. And Dominic Richardson won from last year. What does the quarterback in this class look like? Or is there one? Gunner Gundy. His name's Gunner Gundy. He uh, is a recruited walk-on. Gunner is uh, set out the last year. People remember him from Stillwater a couple of years or a year ago. Uh, he's I think he set the passing record at Stillwater High School. I think he broke Matt Holiday's record. And, um, you know, Gunner is, you know, no doubt he's a smart quarterback. He can read defenses. He'll come in and uh, he, he, I don't think he'll compete for the starting job. That's going to be between uh, Spencer Sanders and, and Shane Illingworth. But um, it made it so she didn't have to recruit a quarterback in this class and they could use that scholarship on another position. And Gunner, people are going to ask, is Gunner Gundy good enough to play at this? Yes, he's good <laughs> enough to play at this level. 
he had other places he could have gone. That's what I was about to ask. Uh, the obvious question would be, did, what were the what were the other offers like? But, well, you know, that's I mean, one of those I'll, things where you kind of feel like teams may be scared away from even offering him because he's the son of the Oklahoma State football and, coach. And both those things happen. In fact, Keith Patterson, the defensive coordinator at Texas Tech, came through and evaluated the Oklahoma high schools in the spring of Gunner's uh, junior year. And I saw him at a camp. Keith goes, I didn't realize Gundy's kid is that good. And I said, yeah, he's, he's pretty good. And he goes, I went back and told, um, you know, told uh, the head coach at, at Tech, Matt, um, Wells. Matt Wells. So I told Matt, he's the best quarterback I've seen in spring in a long time. And I know for a fact Matt called Mike Gundy and said, hey, Keith Patterson tells me your kid's really good. He's coming to play for you, right? And Mike at the time said, well, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to have him, but, you know, he's, he's made a couple of recruiting visits, Toledo at that point, Eastern Michigan. And he goes, what should I do? And Mike goes, well, if you like him, you ought to offer him. He may go to, he may go play for you. And Tech never did. They just <laughs> said, nah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's the thing. If, if I think if Gunner had decided to go somewhere else, it probably would have been a long way away. I don't think he would want to play against his dad. No. And as it is, turns out he wanted to play for his dad. So that's he he will enroll in January and he'll be the quarterback in this class as a walk on. That's cool. I got to ask you about the focus on on in state guys. This is something that's brought up every year, and and I feel like we've seen some really productive players from the state of Oklahoma at both schools, really. It, you know, and and even when you go as far as Tulsa this year with some of their standouts. What is what is the level of focus for Oklahoma State with Oklahoma kids, and has that changed at all over the last few years? Not really. I, I They're always going to recruit Oklahoma. The thing is, I think they are quicker to make decisions based on is a kid receptive to them or is he, uh, you know, we've seen those kids in the past that Oklahoma State had committed and OU offers the day before signing day, and guess what? They sign with the Sooners. I think Mike Gundy and his staff have kind of, um, you know, conditioned themselves to really check into a kid. And if they think, you know, that that, that kid's going to end up at OU in the end or wants to be at OU, I think they kind of pass by it. Uh, you know, Mikhail Smith from Midwest City in this class, you know, really – um, gelled with Mike Gundy because he's a Midwest City guy. Uh, I mentioned Aiden Kelly from Thomas. He's an FFA kid. He wants to major in ag, ag communications or ag econ. Well, I mean, you're going to do that in Stillwater at Oklahoma State. Um, who are some of the others? Logan Nobles. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know that he had any, you know, strong interest in Oklahoma State, but he didn't have a strong feeling for Oklahoma either and Oklahoma I, I don't know if they were gonna if they were gonna go that direction so as you kind of go through these Donovan Steven yeah um, you know he he had a strong feeling toward Oklahoma State you know they were it was OSU Baylor Texas Tech with him so Oklahoma State kind of you know the best way to maybe put this Kobe is when recruiting in state they stay in their lane they don't they don't try and change lanes and they don't go, you know, if a kid's talking up OU, they, they say, oh, okay, we'll pass by there and find <laughs> the kid that 
wants to be in Stillwater. They're looking for the guys that want to play at Oklahoma State, and you can find enough of them now. Um, you know, and that's another reason too, because not OU's not going to recruit every kid in the state that wants to be a Sooner. There's a whole lot of kids that want right. to be Sooners aren't ever going to be, you know, playing for Lincoln Riley and OU. And that's where those kids end up at uh, Texas Tech, uh, Iowa State. Iowa State, you look at that team that Iowa State's got playing for the Big 12 title. They've got the Shaw kid from uh, Jones. Yeah. They've got uh, Charlie Kolar from Norman North just down the road. You know, they've got several other Oklahoma kids. Uh, and Brees Hall's from closer to this state than, than he is Iowa State. He's from Wichita. Wichita, yeah. He's on the other side of Kansas. So, um, you see a lot of kids in this state going to other schools to, you know, and, and you know, schools are coming in and feeling like, hey, they can compete for kids in Oklahoma. Oklahoma State, I think you'll always see averaging about five, six, maybe seven kids, then probably 10 to 12 from Texas. And then the rest would be a few JUCOs and maybe a kid or two from Louisiana or uh, California. Utah has become big. Uh, Oklahoma State's probably got six kids on their roster right now from the state of Utah. That's crazy. Uh, you mentioned the Santa Fe pipeline obviously has, has paid dividends. And then uh, um, what's the what's the younger Presley's name from Bixby? Braylon. He's, uh, yeah. he's got another year to go, and, and we'll see what he does. He, boy, I tell you what, after that game on ESPN, <laughs> everything took off for him, including his offer from Oklahoma State. Yeah. I don't know that OSU would have offered at least this soon without that performance and the attention he was getting. Because the concern there is the same concern for his brother, which I say shouldn't be any concern at all. He's too small. Well, I know this. Brennan Presley is not too small. And I don't think Braylon is either. Uh, So, yeah. You know, and look at the kid at Kansas State. Deuce, uh, you know, whatever. Deuce Vaughn. I mean, you know what? These kids have proven you don't have to be six foot one, six foot two. If you're fast and people can't catch you, it doesn't matter how big you are. Yep, absolutely. Well, my friend, we've uh, we've reached another signing day, and I, I know it's a weird one for you, and you're super busy, so I will I will let you run. But I appreciate the time. All right, thanks, Colby. Robert Allen joining me on the Colby Daniels podcast. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. You can visit the website abotanicalcompany.com or give them a call 405-458-9699. Educate yourself on what they have available and how it can improve your daily life. Also, I got to tell you about the new promo code. Use the promo code when you order online at Colby Show, C-O-L-B-Y-S-H-O-W, Colby Show, as the promo code when you order online at abotanicalcompany.com and you'll get 15% off your order. So check that out. Order online, abotanicalcompany.com, promo code Colby Show, and get 15% off your order. Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Great people. 
local ownership doing great things for the community around them, and I'm really excited that they are on board. All right, that's it for this episode. Like I said, uh, Mike Steely and I have pregame coverage Saturday morning, 9 a.m., so look for that link on my Twitter, at Colby underscore Daniels. Uh, We will talk OU, Iowa State, Big 12 Championship, college football playoff, and all that good stuff Saturday morning. So join us at 9 a.m., kickoff at 11. It's going to be a a fun one. It's a busy week, and uh, everybody stay safe. I will talk to you tomorrow. Podcast is over.